and welcome back into another episode of the 100-Year Podcast. My name is Adario Strange, and this week we have with us, uh, I would say, someone, I guess, pioneering the AI uh, march upon Hollywood, but in a positive way, like, you know, not to, for those of you worried, his name is uh, Caleb Ward, and his company is Curious Refuge. Caleb, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. And you're actually based in not necessarily Hollywood, but L.A. I mean, we can call it Hollywood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're based in Burbank and uh, we can see uh, all the, the big major studios from our house. So I think the thing that interested me about what you guys are doing is you're kind of acting as kind of like, um, I don't know, a, a quick path for creatives who want to begin to engage with the tools. But they just, you know, they don't know where to start. And, you know, before I get into that, I just want to ask, like, you, you kind of made, it seems like, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like Curious Refuge made like a pivot from kind of like a productivity hack company into focusing on AI. Like, is, am I right on that? And if so, like, what made you make the pivot? Right. Yeah. So that's a bit of a misconception. And I get why people think that because they see, let's say our YouTube channel and they see that we were doing like, for example, like Notion or Squarespace videos before we started doing AI. Uh, but Curious Refuge had been contracted by VFX companies, motion design companies who are in the education space. And so for years, my wife, Shelby, and I, who run Curious Refuge, have been helping grow some of the most uh, important VFX schools in the world. Uh, we just hadn't been super public about it. And so, you know, we've very much been in the industry. We helped to uh, set up like training, for example, for uh, DNEG whenever they ended up winning the Oscar for visual effects for the latest Avatar film. So very much involved in the the world of Hollywood, just not as uh, outspoken about it on Curious Refuge, which was more of our, um, you know, creative outlet, just, you know, for fun little things that we were geeking out over. Um, but we were very much working on a ton of creative projects for those companies and, you know, getting tutorials out there, short films, trailers, you know, just the, the gamut of, you know, interesting online content related to, you know, Houdini, Nuke, After Effects, Cinema 4D, all the, the you know, more high-end uh, software. Uh, and so for us, basically uh, what we, the, the pivot essentially happened when we started running some experiments with artificial intelligence as being people who are interested in technology, obviously we've been tracking and playing with, you know, Dolly, Midjourney, ChatGPT for a while, but because of our background in the film world, it, we were very curious about how does this play out? You know, can AI be used to tell a story? And so that kind of led us into testing out some of these tools. And because of our background in the education space, it made sense to, uh, teach what we know uh, to the community. And so just take me back a little bit further. So first of all, how long have you guys been doing this in terms of like training Hollywood professionals and, and I guess studios? And what's your actual, like your personal background, like, I guess, technically, uh, academically, like what, you know, how'd you come to this place? Yeah. So I started probably in the same way that many people in the film industry and just the creative industries got their start. And that's, you know, being a teenager, making funny, silly videos and really falling in love with the creative process. And I ended up going to college for radio and film. And from there, got a job working at a company called premiumbeat.com. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They do like royalty free music, basically. 
So I got a job working at Premium Beat, and essentially they're a royalty-free music company. And part of the way in which they would uh, get their target demographic to the website, which was video editors, filmmakers, producers, people like that, was to create content. So video tutorials, articles, uh, free assets, all related to helping creatives in their craft. And so I got to lead that team for a while, which was really fun. And then transitioned over to working at a company called School of Motion. They do After Effects and Cinema 4D boot camps, so kind of long form training and got a ton of just really great experience leading their team and, you know, creating videos and campaigns and really just being involved in the process of what it looks like to have an online school in a artistic world. And then uh, from there, started working with a company called Rebelway. And so they are the world's best school for Houdini and Nuke. And so got to work with them to train all the biggest studios and artists who were, you know, all the way from aspiring artists in the industry to very high end, you know, artists that are just killing it at, you know, the biggest studios like Industrial Light and Magic. And so it was really cool to just be involved in, in all of those uh, schools and organizations. And what I really found is, I really love not only the process of putting a creative project together, but also learning and sharing what I'm learning in that process as well. I get just as much out of sharing what I'm learning as opposed to uh, just, you know, getting the finished work out there. So I have like a very big heart for learning and education. And so as these AI tools started to come out, it was a very natural transition for me to uh, begin to share what I'm learning. Got it. So you ha- you've been, I, th- I guess... At ground zero, uh, watching, I guess, the transition from uh, or as we're entering the transition from traditional VFX to AI uh, assisted and in some cases completely AI driven effects. When you, you know, just travel around Hollywood and you go to the the parties in Hollywood Hills or, or DTLA or wherever and you talk to various professionals I'm sure you're particularly, you know, kind of what with what's going on again, we'll get into that later uh, in terms of, you know, the strikes. But when you speak to these people, do you get a sense that like your average VFX artist, you know, uh, editor, even like an editor who isn't involved in VFX, do you get a sense that these people in Hollywood proper are actually aware of that they need to begin to engaging these tools is there kind of like a some sort of denial? Like, what, what's the attitude when you're kind of off the record talking to these people? Yeah, it's really interesting because I think people have strong opinions. It's almost like politics. Like, people have strong opinions and they tend to be polarized in those opinions. To those that embrace it, and I would say the majority, especially because I, I tend to run a little bit more in the tech technical world as it relates to Hollywood, those people tend to be a little more... Uh, accepting and optimistic about just what this means. Cause you know, obviously if your background is being on a computer, figuring out technical challenges and how that relates to creativity, you know, AI is at its core, very much, you know, a tool that's doing that for you. Um, but it's very funny because there are some, like, for example, VFX artists that are also like very hesitant to use the technology, even though, you know, up to this point in their career, they've based their entire careers on learning the latest technology and workflows and things like that. So it, it is very interesting to see how um, different mindsets shift. I would say that folks who are more in the, um, uh, I would say, conceptual side of Hollywood. So, you know, screenwriters, producers, people that, you know, are really uh 
the ones that are crafting the story more in their head as opposed to like boots on the ground tend to be a little more um, uh, nervous about what it means, you know, whereas, you know, lighting directors and things like that that I've talked to aren't quite as nervous because, you know, it's very hard for an AI to show up on your film set and move a light from, you know, one here to there, right? So I think uh, it's really interesting to see that um, it, it, I would say like 50-50. You know, 50% of people are optimistic, 50% of people are pessimistic. I'd say the majority of people that I've talked to that are pessimistic haven't actually used the tools to realize where the limitations are, because there's some very real limitations at this point. You know, if you've ever tried to write a script in ChatGPT, you know, it's not a quality script. Like you can't use that script to, you know, tell a super convincing story. So there's just some clear uh, limitations in where I really feel like people... I, I would really encourage people to start tr- just trying out some of these tools to make a, an informed opinion for themselves as opposed to just, you know, reading on the news. <laughs> okay. And so let's talk about that, using the tools, getting these creatives to use the tools. So you created something, you, you and your partner created something called the AI Filmmaking Bootcamp. And I believe the next edition starts September 1st. Mm-hmm. So this is right around the time when, you know, people would sign up. And I guess my, my, yeah, I I went through the course. I kind of looked at the curriculum and and kind of what you're like, can you break it down? Like what exactly do people get when they enter this AI filmmaking bootcamp? Yeah. So it was very interesting because traditionally, whenever I've worked on putting together courses, it's been for people that are at a certain level, right? You know, like if you're putting together, let's say a Houdini course, like that's a very advanced visual effects software not only do you have to have a certain level of technical prowess, you also have to have experience using 3D applications and you can't just jump into it. Whereas with these AI tools, really you can start using these AI tools if you have never opened up, for example, like a program like Photoshop before. And so you really are able to create something from nothing if you are new to the applications. And so it's very interesting because we have the entire gamut of folks from you know, literal Academy Award winners going through the program to like an 11 year old girl. And so, you know, because of that, the beginning of the program is a lot more foundational, you know, here's how to tell the story, here's how filmmakers, you know, use imagery and symbolism and uh, character arcs and things like that to tell a compelling story. Here's how you can use AI tools to assist with that process, not replace that process, but just assist you through whatever creative hurdles you have. And so we start out through by uh, creating film concepts and storyboards that we move on to creating AI trailer pitches, like pitching your idea basically uh, so that you could literally take your homework assignment and hypothetically show it to a decision maker who might be like, yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I love this idea. Like, let's move forward with it. And then the last few weeks, we get into compositing, visual effects, and just some more advanced, um, just more technical uh, components. And altogether, by the end of the program, people are able to create, to the best of their ability, an AI-assisted short film. And so, you know, that still comes with limitations at this point because the technology is still progressing. Uh, But at the very least, they're able to approach the pre-visualization side of a concept and and visually show through literally a video what they want their final project to look like, which is really cool. It's interesting. You mentioned there was an Academy Award winner uh, in your in one of your um, groups and your cohorts. And 
I'm just curious, when you spoke to this person or interacted or when your team interacted with this person, were they an outlier? Meaning, you know, is it fairly, are most of your students professionals? I, I know you say you had some amateurs, but I mean, like, for me, that's kind of impressive just because there's so much, I guess, um, fear and just kind of like reactive distaste for AI coming from the ranks of Hollywood. So was that, is that an outlier case? Is that common? Like, you know. Yeah, I would say if like we had to create a scale, like one being, you know, an 11 year old girl that's never touched a creative program in her life to all the way 10 being like an Academy Award winner that's like working on the biggest projects like out here in Hollywood, I'd say our our range skews about six or seven. Uh, So, I mean, we have people who are, you know, directors, writers in the guild going through our program right now. Uh, especially, you know, in light of the strikes that are happening, people have a lot more free time on their hands. And so, you know, many folks are like, well, if AI is inevitable, then, you know, I want to stay up to date on what these tools are capable of, of doing. So it does tend to skew a little more professional, but I've designed the training so that people who don't have that background or just that, that knowledge base are able to um, also create really impressive things. So, and going through the curriculum, so as someone myself who's deeply engaged in using the tools um again i'm not really producing front-facing you know public-facing films or anything but i'm you know i I could very easily because i'm really i I love this stuff and i'm immersed in it but there are some things that get extra technical particularly when you're trying to mix let's say traditional software traditional digital software with some of the ai tools is there do you have any plans to kind of like introduce i don't know like a, a master's AI bootcamp or masters, you know, or, or VIP or, you know, whatever, some next level for the people who kind of already are conversant in the basic foundational AI tools, but want to like get, you know, take it to the next level. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. I'd say that our course basically takes you from, it's like a beginner and intermediate course. And then whenever we're talking about doing, like you said, like master's level, like, like, how do we get something that is going to be technically like silver screen quality? Uh, I absolutely. I've already been in conversations with folks to bring that into reality. One of the interesting technical challenges with being in the AI space is the pipelines and the workflows with one update that happens randomly on like, let's say a Tuesday can completely upend the way in which you would approach long form training. And so we've been really thinking about how we are going to approach Curious Refuge in the future in terms of, you know, providing these month long boot camps as opposed to just more of a library that people access We'll just have to see, you know, how the tools ebb and flow. Perhaps, you know, things will find a level of stasis or, you know, if anything like this last summer is, <laughs> if that's the pattern, then it's just, you know, complete upending workflows week after week, you know, in the indefinite future. So we'll, we'll just have to see and we'll, we'll address that as it makes sense. Yeah, I probably should have started with this. You guys went viral. Um, you know, there's so many AI tools out there. So many different examples, you know, a lot of people on Instagram, on Twitter, you know, kind of showing their work. But you guys went viral for something very clever. Um, you basically took kind of the style of Wes Anderson, the, the very distinctive film style of Wes Anderson, and you'd apl- you applied it to kind of well-known franchises. I think one was Star Wars, Wes Anderson meets Star Wars, uh, Wes Anderson meets Lord of the Rings. And Wes Anderson meets Avatar, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it really worked. It, it, it really kind of gave this brilliant kind of like alternate uni- universe uh, take on what these films might look like if Wes Anderson had, you know, directed them. 
And so, I mean, just can you just like unpack like what what was the, uh, I guess, inspiration to do that? And when you got reactions, not just from just regular people, but from Hollywood, what were the reactions to, you know, your your decision to take those particular uh, cases and, you know, play with them in public? Yeah. Yeah. So that project was really it was just a side project. I was really curious because of my background in storytelling you know, I'd seen projects like the Harry Potter Balenciaga project and the, uh, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants as like a dark 80s fantasy film, like videos that were popping up on YouTube. And those were really interesting, but they weren't really like telling a story. They were more just kind of uh, a slideshow. Um, and whenever I was looking at these tools, I was like, well, we have ChatGPT here and it can write maybe not a great script, but it can write a script. And we have Midjourney over here that can create imagery and then some other tools that can do, you know, facial animations and movements. I was like, well, all the core components are here to do a concept trailer. So like, what would it look like to have AI put this thing together? And so it was entirely an experiment. It wasn't me like saying like, look at my beautiful artwork that like is going to change the industry forever. It was like, I just wanted to see where the ceiling was in terms of quality that could be produced from these tools. And so uh, I had ChatGPT come up with the idea, write the script, help me with a shot list, went to mid-journey. Obviously, there's a back and forth process there with curation and putting it together and uh, just edit it together just in Adobe Premiere, super easy, and put it together on my laptop. It only took about 20 hours and put it out there. And really, my, my hope was I just want to put this out there. If people like it, I'll do like, I don't know, maybe like a little bit of training about, you know, how we put it together, but like, no, no pressure. Like it's just for fun. And I went to bed, I posted on like a Friday, went to bed, it had like 200 views. And then when I woke up, it was like 500,000 views <laughs> and had gone really mega viral. And uh, that day it started getting picked up on like movie blogs, you know, just like people that are like interested in cover covering movie related pop culture stuff and then the next day I was like playing Mario Kart and I get a ping on my phone and like the Hollywood reporter had picked it up. And after that, you know, it was most major like publications have have talked about one of our projects up to that point. And so it's it's been really interesting. And the funny thing is, so when we put it out there at first, uh, it was like overwhelmingly positive, like positive across the board. Everyone was just like, this is awesome. So cool. So clever. Like, this is really interesting. Really is getting me thinking about, you know, the future of creativity. Um, and then when some of the bigger publications started putting, you know, their messaging out there, you know, they would like write a story, like people are divided over this whole thing. And it's like, you know, we had a Twitter thread with, you know, a thousand comments and like three of them are negative and they, they're like finding the negative ones to like put in there. And so it's been really interesting to see how the media has been really trying to like make it seem like this like equal weighted polarization whenever most of the people that we interact with online, it's been incredibly positive. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, So I just published um, the latest newsletter. We do a newsletter called The 100 Year Lens. Uh, you guys can visit it at uh, Substack, 100year.substack.com. And in that, I, I talk about kind of... um the recent legal case uh, where they found that, you know, just completely uh, solely AI generated content uh, cannot be copywritten. And the judge ruled that there must be some human hand involved for it to actually have a copyright. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of like the crux of 
or that that's kind of for people, I guess, in the traditional creative industry, from my vantage point, that's where they need to look at look to in terms of like reducing their fear, meaning, you know, at least on this podcast, we keep talking about AI as a way to augment your skills as opposed to replace mm-hmm. it. Now, we all know yeah. software isn't static. It always improves and there will you know, likely at some point be software that can do certain things, you know, all on its own. But in terms of interacting with other humans, generally, at least for now, uh, humans want to know that a story or a narrative or an experience comes from someone uh, that has human experiences. I'll, I'll give an example. Like, so you guys had, um, you guys on, on the Curious uh, Refuge uh YouTube channel, you guys uh, created like a virtual host uh, reading jokes. Am I right? Is that, uh, what was his name? Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys gave him some Al- interesting name. What was his name? Al Powers. Al Powers, right. Al yeah. Powers. Um, and, he, you know, for me, I-, I thought it was brilliant, by the way. Let me just start by saying that. It was brilliant. But in terms of the humor, it didn't land for me. It was about as funny sure. as Trevor Noah, which, you know. I'm not a fan of Trevor Noah, so Uh, (laughs) it wasn't very funny to me. But there was one joke that kind of like, I guess, encapsulated uh, where I come from on all this. Um, The AI host talks about, you know, his trip to the gym and his eating habits with kale. This is an AI. You're not eating kale. You're not taking a trip to the gym. You don't have to worry about, you know, do you have to wait for the weight bench on, you know, when you're in, in, you know, whatever, Equinox or la fitness or whatever and so it's all made up you you don't you're an ai you didn't or you're a virtual character you didn't really experience this and so i think as much as the tools can enhance our ability to create interesting experiences you know i think at least in large part not always but in large part humans want to know that they're getting an experience from another human that can relate to them that they can relate to um Right. And so that's why I like the way you kind of framed what you guys are doing earlier as a way to kind of enhance your, you know, your ability to create, you know, films as opposed to just, I don't know, clicking a button and, you know, just outputting something. Is it, I mean, are you on the same page? Do you disagree? I, I totally agree. Yeah. These tools, if you really get into the weeds and start messing around with them, you'll quickly realize how much humanity is involved to make a good project using AI tools, you know, it's very much a human experience. And for that specific project that you're talking about is very interesting. Basically, I got the news like AI generated news from Bard, Google's Bard, because it can connect to the internet and got the news for the day. And then took that news, put it into ChatGPT. It was like, hey, can you write some jokes for each one of these? And it was still a human experience because I had to see the list of jokes, pick and choose the ones that I want to put in there, right? Like I'm not just picking the first joke that they they put, you know, uh, into the, the actual script. And so it's very interesting because I think for all of us, whenever we are approaching a creative project, I think there are certain aspects of that creative project that can be limiting or can be a creative hurdle for you. And it really depends from person to person. So for example, if we're like talking about you know, writing jokes for a new segment, you know, for some people, it's like getting that first joke is like really hard. But like, once they have one joke, they can like, add to it, jump off of it. And then like, after five quick iterations, they've created something that's really, really funny. 
whereas sometimes it's the opposite for other people. Like they're like rock stars are getting that first joke, but it's not that funny and they can't like get it to the finish line or like, you know, manipulate it. And so it, it can be nice to be able to just like have a joke and put it into chat GPT and like, Hey, can you do like 10 variants? And I just feel like, I'm just creatively, like, it's not about me wanting to just take that joke and like remove the context or like remove the humanity, but it's just like, I want like a springboard. It's almost like working with a Pinterest board, you know, for a creative project. Like, it's just like, I want just like a, a, a mood board, something that I can just jump off of. And, and I find that AI in almost every application is, is, it works like that. You know, it's more about helping you to get inspired through your creative direction, as opposed to just hitting a brick wall creatively and being like, oh man, okay, this project can't progress further. Let's talk about the the tools. Um, you have a section on uh, Curious Refuge where you talk about kind of like, it's it's not, you're not giving awards, but it's almost like awards, like best this, best that, but you know, best tool for this, <laughs> yeah. best tool for that. And it looked like the overall tool was um, MidJourney. And then you also mentioned uh, Runway ML, uh, Topaz for kind of like, um, I guess, uh, taking your visuals to high resolution, uh, to a higher resolution yeah. level. And I, yeah. I'm curious, like, right now I'm watching with Runway ML, particularly this new feature that allows you, and, and it's a little bit longer now, that allows you to animate your mid-journey images. Like, this is still the beginning. Like, have you, like, like where, like, just give me a, like, just how, how do you see, like, the recent, I guess, change in the tools? And, and even MidJourney has, like, they have, like, the new, I guess, zoom out feature. You can kind of, um, you know, region, uh, regenerate, you know, certain regions. Like, mm-hmm. wh- where are you excited about this? Are you seeing, from your vantage point, more... Like in social media, do you see like the memes becoming all AI because of these, you know, easy to use tools? Like where where are you at on this? Yeah, I mean, definitely we will see a ton of AI memes probably for the rest of our life. <laughs> I think it's it's inevitable. But um, in terms of like just the, the sheer velocity uh, in which these new features and updates are happening, I mean, it's almost a full-time job just staying up to date on the news and seeing what people are doing on Twitter is one of my favorite places because I think it's you, you can almost in real time see the application of some sort of new feature that would have gone unnoticed and, and what it means like in a, a storytelling context or like a, an artistic context. And so, yeah, we, we try to stay up to date on like the latest tools and techniques. And, you know, when you have a boot camp that, you know, has, I don't know how many modules we have, like over 50, you know, it can be uh, sometimes like a little annoying whenever a new update happens to something. And then you're like, well, we're going to go re-record <laughs> these videos, I guess, you know, right, 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 uh, right. Which, which is totally fine. It's just a part of, you know, the nature of, of what we're doing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all these new tools are very, very exciting. And it's really fun to, as a nerd, see like certain things that some people do and like, okay, you're like, okay, this person did this cool animation project and like use runway and like, we're able to get this. If I take that concept with this like lip syncing thing, maybe I can make my own animated cartoon. Let's test that out and try it. And, and so many people are doing that. And I I feel very similar to like the first time whenever I was learning, for example, like After Effects and like I would watch a tutorial and like follow along. And by the end of it, it's like, oh, cool. I have like this cool like spaceship thing, right? I feel the same way with these AI tools. It's just like um, just a, a, a 
kind of a playground, a sandbox for you to, you know, let your own creative imaginings take you to different places. And I think, you know, one thing that's helped me is having a background in creativity has allowed me to contextualize a little faster. Like, okay, we have this tool that can do this. Where do we, where can we plug it into the pipeline? And so I think it's, that's important and it makes it to where it's a little more challenging for folks. If you have absolutely no background in creativity to, you know, create, you know, a trailer or a short film or something like that. Cause there's still those fundamental skills of, you know, video editing, storytelling and things like that, that have not been uh, fully addressed by AI up to this point. I, I mean, I know your course is more so designed on the technical level in terms of using the tools, but given where you're located in Hollywood and some of the people you engage with, yeah, some of this has to do with how you pitch. And I'm wondering, do you think a pitch a project, a film, you know, or TV show, mm -hmm. do you, would you advise against or for, let's say someone, let's say newer, or even I guess experienced in Hollywood, um, maybe begin beginning to pitch new projects with, you know, an AI example uh, in the same way, mm -hmm. you know, you just, you know, like have a rough draft of a script or kind of like the way, you know, kind of like I say, an indie film guy would like shoot 10 minutes of, you know, something he wants right. to turn into a film or TV show. Would you suggest people like moving in that direction with AI or is that a little, little too early? You know, it, might it be off-putting to some studios, do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously the studios in light of just everything going on, there's a bit of hesitation to outwardly acknowledging artificial intelligence because, you know, they're trying to keep artists happy and, you know, there's a, a certain rhetoric that they're trying to keep uh, as it relates to the tools. But behind closed doors, every single studio I've talked to is embracing AI uh, in the pre-visualization process. And so I would say if you have a story, like for example, if you are a writer and you have a vision for a story, absolutely. Like if you can, like, you know, go through training, doesn't have to be Curious Refuge, but just learn how to use these tools because you could absolutely create a concept trailer that, you know, it may not be exactly the way that you envision it, but it could be pretty darn close. And so I think it's, uh, it's an amazing superpower that um, is absolutely helpful for sharing your creative vision. And even if you don't use it to pitch your idea specifically to a studio, I do think studios, if you came to them, I have an AI trailer and a story and like here want to talk. I, I think, you know, you could probably open a few doors that way as long as you're connected to the right folks. Uh, but even if you just wanted to use your conceptualization for your own personal uh, gratification in seeing kind of how that idea might translate visually or you know, if you're collaborating with a cinematographer or a lighting director, you know, hey, guys, generally, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And they can use, you know, these AI tools. Uh, I've been chatting with a guy who he's directing a, a fairly big project right now, and he's using AI to help put together the storyboards and uh, the concepts. And like even in the visual effects side of things, you know, a big part of your VFX budget is spent doing research. A lot of people don't realize that it's figuring out how, like what exactly it is that you want and then implementing it. And so if you're able to use AI to more or less show like, hey, here's what I want. I just want the really polished version. That's going to save you a heck of a lot of time. And the artists that are you know working on that, it's going to give them the art direction to get started and to make headway a lot faster than you know if it's just like, I don't know, I'm thinking like an explosion over here. What do you got? <laughs> 
are are concept artists uh i mean are they in trouble like what what's going on like uh, cuz there are a lot of different positions in hollywood in the production process that you know absolutely still need a human hand and can only be augmented but i i saw like um i would say like this time last year um i'm forgetting the guy's name but a very uh, well-known concept artist who works with hollywood studios was talking about AI and how generative AI might kind of like, you know, <laughs> you know, put some people's uh, positions in peril. Like, do you, do you agree with that? Do you yeah. see that? Well, it's interesting. And I think this goes with any job in Hollywood or, or probably anything beyond Hollywood as well. You know, it's not about your job being replaced by AI. AI is not going to replace your job. AI is going, AI, people using AI will more than likely replace your job. And so if I was a concept artist, I absolutely, it, because my entire job is about visualizing, conceptualizing, uh, show, and if I understood what the pitch process is like and what directors are looking for, I would absolutely be using, you know, mid-journey to put my ideas together. I would learn about the composition and then take my traditional skills, whether it's using, you know, digital tools to manipulate like Photoshop, or if it's literally using your rough sketches to help guide as reference imagery, the the composition for the project that you're putting together. You know, I, I think it, it's important to begin to embrace these tools. And so sure, like I would say, if you're unwilling to learn the new tech, like maybe there is a chance that your job could be at risk. But um, if you embrace it, I think your job is, might become much easier. Um, you might be able to have an even higher level of professionalism as it relates to your job. It's you know, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities, but at the same time, AI is absolutely changing the way all of us approach our work from <laughs> concept art all the way to accounting. This, this might be a little unfair, but I, I want your kind of insider Hollywood take on this uh, occurrence. It was um, a few months ago, uh, Disney uh, released, um, what was it? Um, Secret Invasion, yeah. I think it's called, um, with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. And the intro to the TV series, short, you know, mini series, is all AI generated. And the reaction to that was widely, you know, negative. Do, do, I mean, do you think that's kind of like a bellwether for how Hollywood will, will react to AI in general? Do you think that was an outlier and it was just poorly done? Like, did, I mean, did you see it? What, what, what was yeah, your thought yeah. on the reaction to it? Well, it's very interesting. So that piece came out about a month after we started doing our AI experiments. And so <laughs> there's a lot more context for that piece that people don't realize. And that's many, many artists worked on that project to, to get it to come to fruition. And it wasn't, again, I think the idea is that they just typed in a prompt, you know, I want a cool alien intro go and that's 100% false like that is not at all like that process like literal code was written by like incredibly talented uh, software engineers to to implement that and so unfortunately I think it got a lot of negative criticism because it had the word AI in it during a writer strike and you know people had opinions about that and they were looking for a common enemy to help with bargaining and things like that and and, and I totally understand that I think the hate towards that project it makes me sad for the artists that actually did work on that because it wasn't entirely an art, like an, an AI project. Now, in terms of technical implementation or artistic direction, you know, is it the, the coolest title sequence I've ever seen? Probably not. <laughs> but 
you know, right, thinking right. about thematically what that overall show is trying to say and the direction in which they're trying to go with it, having a team that's working on a cutting edge, you know, creative platform to create the titles for it, I don't think is an inappropriate uh, choice, you know, and, but you can have your opinion uh, one way or, uh, or another about it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as a Marvel fan and someone who is deeply invested in the Super Scrolls uh, storyline from many years ago, you know, when I think about it, yeah, you know, kind of the way they did it made sense, you know, the kind of like morphing and all of that. I guess uh, I just wasn't a fan of just the, the general look, but um, I, I was just taken aback at, at the very strong negative uh, response to that. But l- let's stay on negative for a second. Um, you brought up the writer's strike and I wanted to, we are, this is being recorded just a day, I think, after uh, the Hollywood studios uh that are in negotiations with the WGA Writers Guild of America, they posted their negotiating points on, you know, the various asks from the organization. And one of them uh, touches on AI. And I wanted to read a couple of sections here mm-hmm. uh, very briefly. Let's see. And this is, again, this is from the Hollywood studios. Uh, the actual official name is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. And this is their counter offer to the Writers Guild of America. Uh, This came out, yeah, earlier this week. Um, So this is their proposal. The companies can the companies confirm that because general uh, because generative AI is not a person, it is not a quote unquote writer or professional writer as defined in the minimum bargaining agreement. Therefore, written material produced by generative AI will not be considered literary material under this or any prior minimum bargaining agreement. If any part of the script is based on generative AI produced material, the writer's compensation, credit, separated rights will not be affected by the use of that generative AI produced material. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, I, I want to touch on some of this, but one, one last part. Um, the company, meaning the, the Hollywood studio, gives a writer, a, if the company gives a writer a, gener- a generative AI produced screenplay, meaning, you know, ChatGPT outputs a script, screenplay, whatever, whatever tool they've created. Maybe they have a proprietary uh, tool. If the studio asks the writer to rewrite it, meaning, hey, this AI, generative AI tool wrote a script, but we want you to polish it up, make it better, make it more human, blah, blah, blah. They say the writer will receive the fee for a screenplay with no assigned material and not a rewrite. So in other words, it seems like they're saying the writer will be treated that that the writer the human writer's work will be treated as original as opposed to you know just brushing up someone else's work and then uh that passage goes on to say if the company gives a writer a generative ai produced story as the basis for a teleplay the writer will receive the story and teleplay rate uh so ai won't reduce your your payment is yeah. what they seem to be saying. The generative AI produced written material will not be considered source material for purposes of de- determining a writer's credit. So that's all very interesting because I feel like this entire discussion about what AI would do to writers in Hollywood, you know, part of the fear revolved around the vagaries. Like, you know, at least I heard a couple of uh, union WGA union members saying that the studios kind of didn't want to talk about this right now. Let's talk about that later. The technology is still kind of in flux. Let's get to that later. This seems to give at least some specificity as to how the studios will handle this. Um, 
so hearing all that, you know, I, I tried to break it down to like the simplest components. Mm-hmm. What's your first reaction? Like, just uh, and I know you're not necessarily. I mean, I'm sure you've probably written screenplays. Everyone in Hollywood has <laughs> written screenplays, but I'm just saying, like, what's your um, initial reaction to kind of like what the studios are proposing? Yeah, and so in response to that, I would say. I'm only addressing this very narrow, specific part of that overall directorial uh, or uh, studio response to the WGA's demands. So I think it's really cool that, at least at this point, what studios are saying is, even if you use AI, like they're they're allowing screenwriters to use AI to create projects and, you know, allowing the tool to be implemented into the workflow, but they're still acknowledging that the writer ultimately will get the full compensation and the full credit as the human that's driving the creativity forward. And so um, at least in, in these talking points, I think it's, it's very interesting. And I think it's, it's cool that the artist ultimately will get the credit and they will uh, get their due. Uh, even if they decide to use chat GPT to let's say assist them in the process, you know, cause for writers, like, you know, the hope is that they can live productive and super fruitful lives with great balance. And, you know, if these AI tools help you just get, you know, 10 to 15% faster, well, hopefully like you would still make the same amount of money. It sounds like from this contract that they would get the same amount of money. And I think there's even like some, some additional revenue that would be put on top of that with the, the contract deal in the way that it currently is. So at least in this small scope, I think it's, it's a win for artists and, you know, who knows how things will progress over the next few years. But um, at, at this point, just for at least the AI clauses, I, I think that's a, a, a cool win. Yeah. And um, I was quite surprised by, you know, what they were proposing, because um, it kind of, um, at least in general, seems to lock them into certain obligations to the human writers. Mm-hmm. But there's something kind of underlying, you know, that sometimes they say, um, it's not the answer to the question, it's that the question was asked, kind of tells you more about what you're trying to know about a various, you know, whatever situation. And the thing for me in this, in their proposal, in the studio's proposal, this stood out for me, um, stood out to me. They Again, if the company gives a writer a generative AI produced screenplay and asks the writer to rewrite it, I think previously the conversation was, my fear is that the studio might do such a thing, you know, mm-hmm. generate a, an AI generated script and then ask a human to polish it up. That was just kind of like a speculation. This is confirmation mm. um, that the, not necessarily that they will do it, but they, that the studios want to keep that in their toolkit or in their arsenal as a possibility. And whatever rights and negotiations and you know concessions they give to human writers, I, I found it very interesting that, that like, in answering, you know, these questions, you know, in their proposal that they essentially confirmed, we will be, you know, as as studios, we will be using AI to generate some portion of, be it story ideas, um, you know, script, uh, rough script drafts. Um, So I I just thought that was um, pretty interesting. And this doesn't speak to, I guess, the Screen Actors Guild, AFTRA, uh, concerns with regard to the rights of, you know, human actors and their visuals. But this is the most specificity I've seen with regard to the studios and AI, you know, at all, like since this whole conversation began. So it's, pre- it's pretty interesting, pretty exciting. 
Um, but it, it also kind of it's confirmation that this is coming. And yeah. it's not like the studios are going to somehow suddenly, you know, look up and co- or come into the negotiating room. Yeah, we're not going to use AI. Right. We've decided we want to keep this old school and AI will just be for spreadsheets and, you know, whatever, you know, for other industries. No, it's coming to Hollywood. Uh, and this this that passage was confirmation, I guess. Um, yeah. I, I'm assuming you have a bunch of friends in, in, in the space. Like, well, no, you wanted to respond to that if you wanted to address that point. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't even catch that. But yeah, I mean, that's absolutely them confirming that they will be using it going forward. Now, me just being boots on the ground and having all of these conversations with folks, like, yes, like script writing outside of ChatGPT, there's a ton of, of tools that are out there that are already trying to use AI to specifically, like they're tailoring the AI specifically for uh, screenwriting. And those tools are, you know, in development and are only getting better. And that's just scratching the surface of the overall AI tools that are like being implemented at the, the the executive level in Hollywood, you know, in terms of predicting success of films, coming up with, you know, potential IP uh, acquisition ideas, or even just, you know, original ideas that haven't existed and how that will relate to online trends that are emerging, like there are some very, very deep and very um, corporate level tools that are being developed that, um, you know, these these studio executives and decision makers are, are watching and are ap- actively subscribed to. And so it's very interesting um, because I think for me, I, I was already operating under the assumption that everyone knew <laughs> that that was going to be happening. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it is interesting. Um, and, you know, hopefully writers will be able to take those projects and inject, you know, as much human creativity as possible, you know, not to disparage the industry. And I won't get into too many specifics, but there's a lot of projects that we see that hit theaters that are incredibly derivative or, you know, aren't artistically saying a lot besides, hey, come watch this film. It has, you know, this actor doing this thing. And then you leave and you're like, oh, man, man, that was probably a waste of two hours. Right. Uh, So that happens a lot. And I think that, you know, sometimes I walk out of a theater and I'm like, man, I I wish there would have been more creativity injected into this process. So maybe AI can help with that. You know, maybe AI will help to alleviate some of those derivative scripts or, you know, some of those projects that don't feel quite as artistically like they have a lot of teeth to them. But but who knows? You know, I, I think really it's going to come down to just artists creating like really good stories. And, you know, I, I, I hope that um, they can embrace these tools. Yeah. And I think maybe like a shorthand translation of what you just said would be don't blame sucky movies on AI uh, in the, in the coming five, you know, 10 years. Cause you know, uh, terrible movies existed long before AI. Um, and, and but I'm curious though, to address your point, just one, one quick thing and don't blame sucky movies on screenwriters either. I think most ideas that I've seen coming out of Hollywood, like, like directly from screenwriters, like tend to be pretty interesting stories. It's just in the, the executives that take the projects that cut the, the, the heart and the soul out of it. Cause they're trying to get to certain story beats that will be better for merchandising or promoting the film. And then the entire project starts to fall apart. So I think, you know, hopefully maybe there's even AI tools that can help with recognizing, you know, certain important story components that need to be there 
or the whole story begins to fall apart or not resonate with people. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's kind of a guessing game at this point, but you know, I, I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cre- creativity is an art and science, but the art part is really important. And I, I think an example of what you just said, um, not related to AI was um, the justice league movie by uh, Zack Snyder, where they kind of put out the studio, put out what they wanted. And then, you know, something that rarely ever happens in Hollywood uh, Zack Snyder actually got an opportunity to kind of produce his vision and the reviews and the reaction was so much better to mm-hmm. the Justice League movie mm-hmm. uh, when the director's vision was like represented as he wanted it. So that's important to remember. I'm, I'm just curious. Like, so we know a lot of people will take shortcuts using these tools. Some people will use them brilliantly and, and you know, with kind of like a, a scalpel as mm-hmm. opposed to an, a hammer. Yeah. But do you think because some of these tools make uh, the entryway into filmmaking a little bit easier for people who aren't traditionally trained, do you think this will kind of lead to a lot of, I don't I'll just say garbage? Do you, do you think we're, we're in for kind of like a period or an era of, you know, just a lot of AI generated films that just, you know, just aren't that good and we're going to have to just wade through that like was that am i being too pessimistic (laughs) no i mean i think you can make a direct comparison you know for example we uh, you know up until like 20 years ago didn't have like a literal like camera phone that we could like go and make you know videos out of like any part of day-to-day life and so really if you watched anything up to that point it had to go through a traditional let's say hollywood process or television pipeline for you to consume it And now, you know, there's more content than a billion lifetimes could possibly consume out there. But, you know, the majority of it is just absolute nonsense, right? Or or at least stuff that's not saying something deeply on an artistic level. It's just kind of, you know, uh, content that exists for its own sake. I think that, you know, we probably will see a lot of projects that come out, but generally the cream rises to the top. And so, you know, yes, we're probably going to see just a lot of like really silly videos that are just like people playing around and literally no shade to those people. Like if they're having fun and they're creating something that they enjoy, I don't want to judge if that project's bad or good. Like I want to support them as an artist and not be uh, a personal, like a, a gatekeeper that's saying they can't create art or they're not creating art because it doesn't meet my qualification standards. Like I feel like that's very like, that would be very hypocritical of me, right? Um, but what I want to do is, is find the stories that resonate with me and make sure that I'm supporting the artists that are creating those. And so what I think is going to happen going forward is stories are going to become much more niche. I think that, you know, if you really resonate with a certain type of story, because the barrier to entry to get that type of story out there uh, is going to be so much lower, I think we're going to see a lot more, not only representation in the the content and the, the films that are created, but also just, just, generally you're going to find that like subsection niche community. You know, if you're just really into like mid-century modernism as it relates to like this idea of like a utopian future and how that relates to like this dystopian reality that we have today and that type of specific story arc uh, resonates with you, like you're going to see a ton of films that like have those narrative themes. And so they may not be at the quality of like everything everywhere, uh, but because they thematically really resonate with you, you, you can forgive, you know, the quality differences. And so I think we're going to see a lot of stuff like that. And we already see that with YouTube, you know, uh, Gen Z spends like the majority of their time on YouTube compared to like watching traditional films. And, and I think that it's because they find niche communities that really resonate with things that are important to them. And so 
you know, I, I think we're going to start seeing AI films that do the same thing in just more specific niches that um, resonate with, you know, a smaller audience, but deeper. Yeah, and I want to begin to wrap up. But um, speaking of the cream rising to the top, I wanted to highlight on your website, you have kind of like an AI film gallery. And it is it's not necessarily people who particularly went through your program, at right. least from my understanding. Right. It's just you are curating some of the best work that you're seeing in this very new emerging field. And it's brilliant. I've seen some brilliant things on there. And I actually wanted to mention like one of our team, um, Kevin. Um, Kevin, can you are you around? Can you? Pop in. Let's see if Kevin's able to. Up, hey, Kevin. So, so for those of you who don't know, Kevin, um, he's our editor. He's like, uh, he helps us put. He helps us produce everything. Um, he's just like one of the core parts of the podcast, the Hundred Year Podcast, and he's also experimenting with the tools. And we had a conversation the other day, and you were telling me that you actually got something. You didn't necessarily go through the course, but you got something from the Curious Refuge site. Uh, yeah. Um, on the last uh, short film that I made, uh, I actually saw your guys's YouTube video that you put out on AI short films. And um, I checked that out and I found it incredibly beneficial and super helpful. I mean, I ended up actually purchase, purchasing a Topaz Labs uh, AI video after it because uh, just the enhancements it does to runway ML is is truly phenomenal. That's yeah, cool. And you actually produced like um... – I, I don't remember how many minutes is like four or five minute short film, like a Western. What would you call it? Tell people where to find this. I want people to see this, like what you recently. Uh, posted. Yeah, it's it's 90 seconds because I was trying to stay in the because uh, I, I primarily upload all my stuff to Instagram. So I was trying to stay in the, the real time. Uh, so it's 90 seconds. Um, it's on my Instagram at Kevin the Kid. Uh, and it's called The Journey. And it's essentially a story of this lone gunman. And it also follows the story of this boy um, who had this like terrible tragedy in the past, but then the lone gunman saved him. And then he has another tragedy substantially further in his life in his you know, 20s or 30s. And then the gunman shows up again mysteriously. Um, you know, I usually use I used a multitude of AI tools to create it, uh, you know, obviously starting with Midjourney and Runway. But then there was a lot of stuff because I feel like Runway still has a lot of issues with uh, human anatomy, uh, especially on your wider shots when you're you're seeing the full body. So I used a lot of other tricks, you know, like with like Leia pics and then some of the other ones. Uh, if I wanted like a little bit more of expressive emotion, I'd use DID for for like just simple face shots if there wasn't too much going on in the background. And then obviously your traditional tools as well. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I did that. I'd say the only thing element I didn't add to it was I didn't uh, write it in chat GPT. I wrote it with a friend of mine because we, we, we like writing stories ourselves. So that's, you know, the idea is like you may not have the budget to go out and just like create like a Western short. That's a lot of production. And so being able to use AI to, to tell a similar story was a lot of fun. That's so cool. And so, I mean, yeah, this is exactly like Kevin is traditionally a photographer. Um, and like this, I, I feel like Kevin is like exactly the kind of person, um, Caleb, like that would benefit from your boot camp and kind of what you guys are doing. And the, the thing about what you guys are doing at Curious Refuge is that it's not tool specific. Like there, I'm, I'm like, as we discussed earlier, it's like, as the tools change and improve, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to like kind of change the curriculum. Right. Um, Kevin, I'm curious, like when we were earlier, when I was talking to Caleb about um, 
kind of the reaction in Hollywood. You're also in L.A. Like, what's do you have any anecdotes? Like, what what's the reaction to AI from your inner circle? Like, just off the record, like people who kind of like whisper to you what they really think. I think it's a it's definitely a mix. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are are excited about the tools and, and the benefits, but then I I do think there's a lot of fear behind it. Similar to what uh, Caleb said, I think where you see more of the fear is usually the people who've never actually played with the tools, so they don't quite have a full understanding of of what it is and the capability. It's almost more of this myth that's getting built up that this 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 you know ominous thing is going to come in and take my job. But then once you realize that what the tools can do and the benefits of it, it's actually more of something that can essentially 10x your workflow and also give you the opportunity to do things that you may not have been able to do, you know, from an from a major industry standard, it's a little different because obviously they have uh, an incredible amount of means to create whatever they want. But for the independent creator, I think these tools are are so beneficial because you're now putting a lot of power into the people's hands to, especially as the tools, you know, advance and only get better to where they're going to be able to make stories and and we might start seeing a very unique set of of voices emerge um especially in filmmaking. I'm going to let you drop off as we wrap up but just one more time give people your uh, Instagram where they can find that short. It's at Kevin the Kid and uh it's pinned to the top so if you go to my profile it's literally the the very first square. Okay, and uh, awesome. thank, thanks thanks Kevin. for having me guys. Cool. So just to wrap up, I, I'm curious, like, what do you think, Caleb, like the when, when will we get the first feature length AI generated film? Like when when do you think that happens? Like if everyone's always predicting or trying to predict when will we have AGI, artificial general intelligence? When will the, you know, the singularity arrive? I'm more interested. When will the first fully AI generated film arrive? Well, it's very interesting to think about what that question is saying, because it can mean a lot of different things, right? Do we mean the first film that integrates AI into a pipeline, in which case there's already been projects that have had that happen, right? So that that box has been checked. But specifically, let's say the imagery, like what you see is entirely AI and, uh, you know, let's there's still human components, obviously, but at least every pixel that you see on the screen while you're watching it is uh, generated through a computer. I would say uh, my timeline keeps getting shorter and shorter, you know, because back in May, I would have said, I don't know, two to three years. Now, I would say probably uh, we're probably nine to 12 months away from something that's like feels good. You know, I think we're probably going to see wow. a feature film in the next three to four months. It's probably, you know, it, for the artist, like I was saying earlier, like they probably are going to feel very proud of it. And it probably will you know, be a technical achievement that is worth celebrating in its own right. But in terms of something that an audience who tends to be pretty unforgiving when it comes to quality standards and, you know, uh, the the technical implementation that went into creating something, I'd, I'd say probably nine to 12 months before we have something that is, you know, uh, <laughs> rotten tomatoes fresh, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's very soon. Wow. Um, all right. So again, um, wrapping up, do, uh, if anyone wants to join your boot camp, it's CuriousRefuge.com. Yep. Um, the boot camp starts September 1st. Yes. Yep. We start at the first of every month. And when you join, you aren't just joining for uh, a four week boot camp. You're also getting updates for six months. So you're going to stay relevant. Your skills are going to continue to update. We are big mega AI nerds. So we just scour the internet. We look at all the tools, look at all the updates and then disseminate 
what tool is really the best one for you to use at that time and then give you the training to to see it uh, in action. Okay, great. I, I, I want to kind of just finish there, but like, I, there's, you, again, you're, you're at ground zero. You're rubbing elbows with all of these, you know, studio workers, uh, creatives, just get, I don't know, give me like an end, um, like where, where do you see us this time next year in Hollywood specifically? Like, like when, when you're just like, you know, over coffee talking about the future, like where do you see us in general? Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because I've never seen a shift this quickly in, in industry, Same. you know, I mean, it just feels like things are really changing very quickly overnight. I do feel like there's a level of hype cycle that AI is bringing to not just the conversation related to Hollywood, but also just broader conversations around the entire world. Um, but I mean, I would say that Hollywood at this time next year is still going to generally be operating the same way it is right now. Now, whether that's healthy or not healthy is your own ability to interpret. <laughs> I would say the majority of folks would right. say very unhealthy. Uh, but I do mm. think that at least in the indie world and for, you know, uh, video production pr uh, professionals and for people who are trying to get their projects out for the first time, I think we're going to see more because of AI tools. And, you know, behind closed doors, all of these Hollywood studios are staffing up AI experts and uh, bringing them into an ecosystem to where they can develop tools and then put those into pipelines. And so for the average audience, I don't know if they're going to feel much of a difference, uh, but for, um, you know, probably more specifically like VFX artists and, and people like that, they may see uh, quite a few changes uh, to their workflow. But, you know, it, it it's really, and unfortunately, like I would love to say, like I have all the answers, but I think truly no one knows exactly the way that all of this is going to shape up. And, you know, there was concerns even before AI about the long-term financial viability of Hollywood. And, and those conversations are still very much happening. So, you know, uh, even without artificial intelligence being introduced into this entire conversation, you know, the, the reality is when you adjust for inflation, Hollywood's has made 36% less this year versus I think 2015. I was like reading a report that was talking about that. And so like, that's not a crazy sustainable model, you know, as we continue to move forward. Hopefully, big tentpole projects that really propel the industry like Oppenheimer and Barbie and, uh, you know, just these these bigger um, releases can 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 help to sustain stuff. But honestly, who knows? <laughs> I saw your Barbenheimer uh, video, by the way. That was pretty brilliant. Um, so, yeah, that uh, Barbenheimer was just... I, that was a phenomenon. It was yeah. a testament that, uh, you know, movies are still alive. Like people yeah. still love going to the theater. Um, so there is still a long life for Hollywood in general. Again, thanks for joining us. Uh, the website is CuriousRefuge.com. Did you earlier, I mentioned it and it sounded like you maybe wanted to give a specific URL or no? Uh, no, CuriousRefuge.com. You, you can navigate around and, you know, see all of the interesting stuff that we uh, offer up there. And then of course, we're on social media at Curious Refuge on all the major platforms. So you can see some of our work there as well. Awesome. And on that note, uh, you if you want to see previous episodes, listen or watch previous episodes of the 100 Year Podcast, uh, you all can go to 100year.com. Um, again, we're kind of all over social media, but 100year.com would be the way station. And again, please, if you guys get a chance, go to 100year.substack because we're 
you know, as much as we deep dive on the podcast, we get even more specific and produce kind of data analysis on the newsletter. So please check, check that out. Um, again, Caleb Ward, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'll be keeping a close eye uh, on what you guys are doing. And I think um, I really do think what you guys are doing is super important just because, you know, you're part of kind of how people get over their fear of this and actually begin to embrace embrace the tool. So thanks again, man. And thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 